Welcome to Waiting For You, the podcast where we talk infertility, hope, loss and courage. I'm Janine, mum of one, a newborn and family photographer and lover of dark chocolate. Here we will share stories of families who have faced a different or difficult journey through conception, pregnancy or postpartum. I want to honour these stories and have them be heard and I want to bring it all, the tears, the hope, the despair and the joy. Hi and welcome to episode one of Waiting For You. This episode's going to be a solo episode and I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to tell the story of our infertility journey, having our son and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the work that I do today. This podcast will tell stories of people who travel tricky or different paths to becoming parents as well as a few other stories around parenthood. I want to share my story with you because it's the reason that this podcast has come about. Our journey through fertility treatment has become woven into the fabric of me. It's, I can just never be without it now. And it's brought some really good things despite it being very difficult at the time. So let's get started with my story. And then in further episodes, I will be interviewing others and sharing their stories with you. Oh, and this is my first episode, so please forgive me if I'm a little nervous or if I use too many ums or if the sound quality is not completely up to scratch. I'm working on all those things as I travel this figuring out of how to do a podcast. So um, our our story starts when I turned 30. I... um, Uh, When I turned 30, I was like, now's the time. Now's the time for us to have a baby. We'd travelled quite a lot uh, together, my husband and I, and we'd gotten married. We'd come home and gotten married, and we'd been together quite a long time, and I thought this was a good time. I um, I had always had very, very painful periods. Um, They were also very regular, but the pain was very bad, like I was taking days off, off uni or work. I naively thought that this meant that I was super fertile (laughs) and it turns out that that is not what it meant at all. What it meant was that I had endometriosis which has an effect on fertility. So after a year of trying naturally we um, had had no pregnancy and so we went to see our GP who very quickly referred us to a fertility specialist. So we went along to see the fertility specialist who diagnosed me with endometriosis pretty much straight away. I mean, when I say diagnosed, they can't actually diagnose it without doing surgery, but she was pretty sure that's what was going on for me. And she recommended surgery. So that was the first step for us. I went in and had surgery. And yes, I did have endometriosis. It was moderate and it... um, it was spread throughout my across my bladder and other areas of um, the organs in my abdomen, um, and that was what was causing all the pain. So what they do if they see it when they're in there is they remove it. So that surgery was done, and I recovered from that. And then <clears throat> we were re- it was re- recommended to us by a specialist that we then continue to try naturally for a little for a few months because sometimes just having that surgery and removing the endometriosis can create a 
possibility for natural conception. So we did that, but we still had no luck. And so we went back to our specialist, who then did some testing on Stu, or maybe that was done earlier. I can't remember. My son um, is actually now almost 13. So this was quite a long time ago. So some of the details are a little hazy. Anyway, the testing on Stu came back quite poor, really. His sperm count was low and the motility of his sperm was poor. So then we were facing um, kind of a bit of a double whammy. I had endometriosis, which affected my fertility, even though I'd had the surgery, that it's, it was still, you know, in the mix. And Stu had the sperm issue. And so our specialist said something to us that day in her, in her um, office, uh, some words that I will never forget. And she said, your combined fertility issues create an impact on your fertility that is exponential. And that word exponential was just, it just really stuck in my brain. And that was the moment that I really realized that we were really in this. We were going to be doing fertility treatment. And this was a big deal. Uh, it was, yeah, it was hard. It was hard to hear all that, but it was also good that there was there was a way forward, and so we continue with that way forward. Uh, the first treatment we did was called IUI. It stands for interuterine insemination, and basically what it means is that they tracked my cycle, and I had some medications throughout that cycle to help with stimulating my ovaries to make lots of lots of eggs and then what they do is they track your cycle so that that they um when you're about to ovulate they basically like turkey baster your um partner's or your donor but in my case it was my partner's sperm up there um and then kind of cross fingers and hope for the best i guess with this type of treatment you are at risk of multiple pregnancies because you might have several eggs being released at once they keep a pretty close eye on it. Like if you had a ton in there, they would probably cancel the cycle and start again. But for us, it was pretty straightforward and we went ahead um, as planned. We did two of those cycles and neither of them ended in a pregnancy. And it was at that point that we were advised to go straight on to IVF. Just before I tell you about our journey with IVF, I just want to say um, I think it's different for everyone but I also think the experience is similar for a lot of people to what I experienced. And what I can say is that for me, IVF was grueling. It was mentally challenging. It was emotionally challenging. And it was completely overwhelming. And it really, really messed with my head. So it was hard. It was really hard. And I'll kind of never forget what it was like. Um but I'll take you through our cycles. I'll give you a few details. I won't go through day by day, um, but let's go through each cycle. So, our f f you know, going into our, our first cycle of IVF, we were super hopeful and positive. I mean, this was the creme de la creme of fertility treatment, and we were, we were in it. Um, we were so lucky that we got two cycles of IVF funded, government funded. Our IUI cycles, we paid for ourselves. And then our, um, we had two cycles of IVF funded. And the reason they were funded was because of our circumstances 
So basically they have a, t- a tick list and if you tick off enough boxes, you get funding. So for us, it was the endometriosis, the sperm situation, as well as being non-smokers and my age. Uh, I don't think my age came into it because I was quite quite uh, youngish for having a baby, uh, but maybe, um, and a few other things. So we got, um, so our first cycle was funded, which is amazing because IVF treatment is really expensive. I think at the time, a cycle of IVF was around $10,000. So we went ahead with the cycle. They start you off on a drug which basically puts you into a menopausal type state and or puts your body into a menopausal type state. And it's pretty tough. It makes you feel really quite awful and it happens pretty quickly. So you start off feeling pretty rubbish. And then you start the daily injections, which then build up the hormones again. So I did my daily injections and, you know, that was a bit of a journey to come used to it, but it it happened pretty quickly that I was used to injecting myself in the tummy every day. And some of my cycles, I think it was even two to three times a day that I was injecting. Um, It just depends on the protocol that I've got you on. And then came the day of egg collection. So once the, once you're at the point where you've got a whole lot of follicles in your ovaries and they've all got nice looking sized eggs in them because they do scans all the way through your treatment to check where you're at, they set you for a day of egg collection. And egg collection is a surgical procedure done under sedation because it's not it's not particularly nice procedure. And they don't have to cut you open, but it does involve a large needle <laughs> up into your um, ovaries, not through the tummy. <laughs> anyway, so we collected six eggs in that cycle. Um, that probably sounds quite good, but really in the scheme of things, it wasn't a great amount. And because we were new at this, we didn't kind of realise what was coming after that. Um, and what happens after that is they take the eggs away into the lab and they put them with the sperm, that the sample that has been given, and they wait to see what fertilizers. And they ring you the next day and tell you your fertilization rate. And then they ring you every day subsequently to tell you uh, if they are still growing or if they've kind of died away and um, uh, how, how they're doing. And by day three, uh, we had one embryo left. So we started with six eggs and we got one embryo. So by the time that they were ready to implant back into my uterus, I ha- we had one u- embryo at one chance. We actually were so lucky because we got pregnant off that cycle, of that one amazing special embryo, we got pregnant. However, um, I miscarried only a few days later. Um, and what happened is I I ended up in severe, severe pain and I went to A&E and I had a miscarriage. And I do call that a miscarriage even though it was super, super early days because that was my baby. And we had put so much hope and work into that baby. So that was a miscarriage. And it was hard. It was really hard. I remember going home and lying on the couch and my parents came over and I just lay there in a daze and I couldn't even really look at them or talk to them. The poor things, they probably didn't know what to do with me. But it was it was rough. It was so hard to take after all that we'd been through to get there. But we found some courage and some strength and we went in for a second cycle I can't remember the time frame between our two cycles. 
Um, I've got some paperwork somewhere, but just know that we went again for a second cycle. Because we'd only had one embryo to implant last time, we had nothing in the freezer. Often, if people have several embryos, they will the rest will be frozen, and then they can then go ahead and just use one in what's called a frozen cycle. But we had to start right again at the beginning. So again, we went with the um, the down regulation, which is where they um, make you go into a menopausal type of thing, and then the daily injections to bring the hormones right up. So your hormonal hormones are all over the place, and that is one of the, one of the things that's really hard about this is that you are all over the place. From this cycle, we we got about ten eggs, I think, but again, only one embryo by day three. When I did IVF, day three was the day of for them to um, to pop, pop the embryo back into you. I believe now they wait till day five and they wait for it to grow to the next stage, which is called a blastocyst. But back then when I did it, it was day three. So by day three, we had one embryo again. They put that one back in. And then what I forgot to tell you about in my first um um, cycle is that once they put that embryo back in you have this two week might be might have been 10 days to 10 days to two week wait where you wait to find out if you're pregnant but you know there's an embryo inside you and so the wait is so difficult and pretty much you can't think about anything else it's kind of torture it really is so again we faced that wait and then we got the phone call after the blood test after the 10 days that I w- there was no pregnancy. That was devastating. That was our second cycle. We had nothing. We, we weren't pregnant again. We had nothing in the freezer. And we'd been through so much and it was really difficult. During this time, my mental health really declined. I was obsessed with having a baby. And... Socially, I was quite restricted. I could not go to a baby shower. And, you know, at this time, all my friends were having babies. I found social gatherings really difficult, both ones that included children. And no children or being around pregnant women was very difficult for me. Being around my friends who had children, and I loved their children, but just being around the family kind of unit was really hard. So I kind of really retreated and I just didn't go out much. I mean, obviously I was still working and I worked with children, so that was hard enough. But I seemed to be able to separate it a little bit better for work, but my social life was very difficult. I also faced this thing that I'm sure many of you have faced, whether you've had fertility treatment or not, which is the question of, when are you having a baby? You know, you meet someone on the street who doesn't know what you're going through and they're like, when are you having a baby? Or when are you going to start a family? And I found that really, really difficult. Um, And I never really knew what to say. And I had to kind of come up with this one liner in the end that just, you know, let, let me answer the question, but also made people stop asking questions. I remember being at a friend's engagement party one night, one of the times we did go out, and my friend's sister, who I had met before but didn't really know, came up to me and asked that question completely innocently. She said, oh, when are you guys going to have a baby? Because, you know, we'd been together for ages and we were married and, you know, I guess that's the next logical step. And I just kind of lost the plot and I... um, 
I think I said something to her like, we're having terrible trouble and having IVF treatment. And then I kind of just walked away and I just, I, I'm quite embarrassed at the way that I that I kind of handled it. But that was the the emotional state that I was in. I was very fragile and anyone just had to scratch the skin of, of it and it, it all came tumbling out. Uh, so then we went on to have a third cycle. We were going to be paying for this one, which was fine because we, we had enough money to do that. We moved to a protocol called ICSI, um, and what they do for this is they it's all the same except right at the end, instead of just putting the eggs and the sperm together, I imagine in a Petri dish or something scientific like that, what they do is they choose the very, very, very best looking sperm and they inject it straight into the egg. Um, and they do that for however many eggs you've got. So it's a next level of um, scientific kind of treatment around it. For this cycle, we got a few more eggs than last time. I think we were up to 12 for this one. And we ended up with two embryos, which was magic because we'd only ever got one. Still pretty low numbers and still pretty low chances. But two was cool. Uh, when I did IVF, and I think it's still the same today. They did not want to put multiple embryos back in because the risk that twin and other multiple pregnancies bring to both mum and baby is significant. And so it was always only ever one embryo. If people had several, they only ever put one and froze the rest. So we had two, and because of what, you know, that the low chance that we had and this um, kind of history with our IVF treatment, we asked our specialist if she would consider putting two embryos back this time. And we thought she would say no, but she said yes. She said, given your history of IVF not being so successful and given that this was probably our last cycle using our own genetic material, I think, after that, she had said we would need to look at something like egg donation. So given all that, she said, yes, we'll put two back. And so that was amazing. So they put two embryos back and we, yet again, did the two-week wait, 10 days to two-week wait for the blood test results. And it was a miracle because I was pregnant. And it was so amazing. It was so, so amazing. I mean, of course, we were pretty scared of another miscarriage or something going wrong. But we'd only ever been pregnant once before, and we're about three years down the track now. So this was pretty special. Uh, at about seven weeks, uh, six or seven weeks, they do an early scan to check for the heartbeat before they um, discharge you from their care, and then you go into the care of your midwife or obstetrician. At that scan, I was so hoping to see two heartbeats because I really wanted twins. In my mind, twins would solve all my problems because I could have a complete family, in my eyes, a complete family, and then never have to think about fertility treatment again. But that wasn't to be. And we had one beautiful, beautiful little baked bean with a heartbeat. That little one grew and developed and was born our beautiful baby boy Elijah on the 4th of July 2008 and it was a miracle and we were so relieved to finally have him in our arms yeah it truly was amazing Elijah was born 
just a couple of months after my 34th birthday. So we started trying when I was 30 and he was born when I was 34. So we'd gone and we'd been through a four-year journey and it was so amazing to finally have our boy in our arms. I just want to touch on briefly that I didn't do so well as a new mum. Again, naively, I thought, I've worked with kids for years, you know, primary school kids. I'll be fine. I know all about this. <laughs> and of course, I knew nothing about newborn babies or babies really at all. I mean, I'd been around babies, but I didn't know about have, really having one. So I struggled a bit. In fact, I struggled a lot. I've always been a slightly anxious person, but when I had Elijah, my anxiety went through the roof. And I'm pretty sure, looking back, I had postnatal anxiety, but it was never diagnosed. And it can be pretty tough being a mum who's gone through fertility treatment, wanted a baby so hard, and then you're struggling with it, struggling with the care, um, with having the baby, because you can feel a bit guilty around that. You can, I, felt, I felt a bit guilty. I felt like I wanted this so much and now I'm really struggling and I should be loving every moment of every day. But the reality was that it was tough. But we got there. There's, there's a big story in there, but I'll share that another time. When Elijah was three, we were ready to try again. I hadn't been ready for a really long time because I had struggled so hard with the anxiety around being a mum. So that's why we waited till he was three and then we felt ready. The overwhelming reason that I wanted to have another baby, well, two overwhelming reasons, obviously I wanted another baby, but I really wanted to provide a sibling for my child. I I really felt that that was kind of my duty to give him that. And so we kind of pushed ourselves really to do more treatment because the thought of doing more treatment was really challenging and because I was struggling a bit, the whole idea of having another child felt really scary to me. But I really wanted to do this for Elijah and of course, of course for us as well and to bring another child into the world would be amazing. So we started IVF cycle number four because we had nothing in the freezer due to putting the two embryos back in last time. So we started again. That cycle number four was not successful and we didn't get a positive pregnancy from that. But we did get two embryos. So one was put back in and one was put in the freezer. So when we got that negative test, we were able to choose whether we wanted to do a frozen cycle. And I just couldn't leave that little guy or girl in the freezer. I was like, we need to do this again. Because we'd kind of said one cycle. That's all we're going to do. That's all we can manage. But then we were like, okay, well, we can't leave that one there. Let's do one more. So IVF cycle number five. Um, A frozen cycle is easier. You don't have to do all the injections and the egg collection. You have to do some injections and medication just to get your, you know, so they can track your body, your cycle. But it is easier. And then they defrost the embryo. And if it defrosts well, they uh, pop it in to your uterus. And um, again, you wait. Um, So... It's easier on your body, I guess, but for me, mentally and emotionally, it was extremely difficult because I knew this was pretty much the end for us. This was our last chance. We had said no more treatment after this. I mean, we'd said that for the previous cycle. So there was a lot hanging on this. 
and sadly we had a negative another negative and so we um that we didn't get pregnant and following that came the hardest decision that I've ever had to make in my life of course Stu and I made this decision together but I'm just talking my perspective today we decided after that cycle to draw a line in the sand and to say no more treatment we had one beautiful child and we felt like we really needed to just concentrate on him and our relationship and us as a family and that we couldn't bear we couldn't bear any more treatment we couldn't take any more we couldn't take the ups and downs of it anymore and so we said enough's enough this is the end for us and that was so so hard because I really really wanted to give Elijah what most other children seem to have and I couldn't do it yeah having said that though it was the right decision like looking back now it was the right decision for us we were spent we were exhausted we were done and so actually making that decision freed up my emotional and mental state quite a lot because it meant that I could stop thinking about it and just move forward with the amazing life that we had. As you can hear, this still brings tears to my eyes. Um, Elijah's nearly 13, as I said earlier, and so this would have been 10 years ago that we were doing this, these cycles for a sibling, and it still really hurts. It really hurts me that my child didn't get that. But you know what? He's fine. He's fine. He's happy. And I don't even think of him as an only child. I just think of him as my child. To be honest, early days, if anyone had said to me, and I think people did, but if people ever said anything around, oh, only children are spoiled, or he's like that because he's an only child, honestly, that was so hard for me to hear. And I felt really defensive around that because... We were doing our best and he just is who he is and we were parenting him the best way that we could in our circumstances. So yeah, that is our IVF journey. We are a very happy family of three and I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to have that treatment and to have our son. So it's pretty special really. Now I just wanted to talk to you pretty briefly about... Starting my business and the work that I do today in my business and also in a charity. So I was a teacher previously prior to having Elijah and I went back teaching part-time after I had him. When he was about two, I started some very, very part-time hours with a child with special needs. And then a couple of years after that, I went into job shares and I worked kind of half-time sharing a class with another teacher. And I did that for just over three years. But around 2016, Elijah was obviously at school, and um, but he was at a different school to the one that I was working at. Um, and I just started feeling pretty burnt out, and my anxiety wasn't amazing. And I was struggling with him not being at the same school as me. I just found that it would be so much easier and logistically had we been together but that that couldn't happen for other reasons and at the time you know I'd had photography as a hobby for a while and I'd got kind of to the point where people had started saying to me oh you could you could charge money for your photos have you thought about doing that 
And so at the end of 2016, I took a giant leap of faith, which is really unlike me because I'm not usually super brave in that way. I'm quite a scaredy cat for big things like that. And I left my teaching job and I started a business and I just leapt straight from one to the other. I didn't kind of, oh, I had started my business a tiny, a little bit in the weekends when I was still teaching, but I pretty much just went into my business uh, at the beginning of 2017. I was so, so lucky. And to this day, I continue to be so, so lucky that my husband pretty much said to me, just do it. I got your back. I can carry us financially. Just do it. And so I did. And he still supports me like that to this day. So I think the biggest thing for me around my business is that the time was right for me to work with babies. Like obviously I worked with a lot of children in my teaching job. And I was around babies because, you know, mums bring in their younger younger children and babies. But it felt a really good time for me. I felt in a really good space to really bring babies and families into my into my world in a big way and i and i suddenly became not suddenly i became a woman who had years ago not been able to be around babies and now i was surrounding myself with them in my business and there was just this beautiful full circle moment where i'm like okay now I want to do this and I want to celebrate every baby born and I want to just share in the joy with these families and I just want people to know that their children are miracles and so that's kind of the basis of my business that I just think that everybody's children are real miracles because I know what it can take to get one sometimes and yeah so what we went through really sculpted the business that I've built which is you know, a really good thing out of it, out of our journey. And I honestly feel so lucky to be able to do this as a job. It um, it brings me so much joy. It really does. So if you are one of my clients, thank you for sharing your children with me. It, it really does mean a lot. And lastly, I want to talk about a charity that I work for. This comes with a bit of a trigger warning because it involves talking about stillbirth. So just tread carefully if that is hard for you. Um, about three years ago, I was at a photography workshop and I learned of this charity called Heartfelt. And what Heartfelt does is, I'm going to say we because there's a team of us, but what we do is we, we go into hospitals and sometimes people's homes and we take photos of babies and families when a baby has been born, stillborn. Or sometimes if a baby is born very fragile and likely to die. We sometimes photograph older children, uh, older babies and children as well who are palliative. So our work is around stillbirth, baby loss and palliative children and babies. And um, as soon as I found out about this charity, I was like, that's the charity for me. I'd always thought I'd like to work for a charity or help a charity out, but I never knew what I wanted to do. And then as soon as I found out about this one, I knew straight away. And so I applied and got accepted and I started working for them. It's a lot of people say to me, how do you do it? How I wouldn't be able to do that. How do you do it? And I can honestly say I don't know, but what I can say is that the sessions are beautifully painful. 
And I am always, always aware of the honour that it is to be in that sacred space when someone has lost their child. So what I do is I go into the room and I take photos of the baby and then we pop the baby in the parents' arms and take photos of them as a family and we just curate a beautiful little collection of images for this family to keep forever and have memories of their child. So it really is rather beautiful but it is always extraordinarily sad. And I can say hand on heart that every time I walk out of that hospital, after a session, I am so glad that I went. That short amount of time that I spend with people in this situation means a lot to me. It means a lot that I've been able to help in a very small way. A family that is, you know, grieving so deeply. Yeah, so my photography business and heartfelt are what I spend my days doing now. And... It's amazing. Oh, I just wanted to mention too that the I think the reason I was so drawn to Heartfelt was because of my, again, because of my journey. Obviously, I did not experience that kind of loss, but I experienced grief in the space of babies and I, I just knew I had something to give. And it's because of my journey that I knew that. So another silver lining from the journey that it took for us to get Elijah. So that's the end of this episode. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Going forward from here, each episode will be an interview with someone who will tell their own story. And I really hope these stories can help you, inform you, comfort you perhaps, maybe help you realise you're not alone. And so thank you. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.